Oh, we got Jerry Savage on. Yeah. Um, hmm. Oh, yep, that's me. No, I don't want to do that. But I don't understand why we don't have a picture here. Um, you know, I actually, I don't prefer to have one. Hmm. I just prefer to have a picture. I don't know what, you might have to come and deal with your computer here. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I said uh, this isn't there's no image on here so I don't know what that's about Well, it was, but when I sometimes, you know, I just pass it to you and say, you do it, and then this was not one of those things. Okay. Why does this not work right? I wonder. Thank you for your offer. No. Dispute over the border wall. We'll hear reaction from Mexico. And later in a small Vermont town, the mayor tells residents who have helped. We got to turn this off. That's one of our problems. And... Um, so let's just start with the West Coast, Northwest, Pacific Northwest. Hi, I'm Diane from Vancouver, British Columbia. Nice to see everybody. I'm Jerry from Vancouver, Washington. The other Vancouver. <laughs> nice yeah. to see everybody. 
And I'm Rand from uh, Eugene, Oregon. Hey, Rand. Hey, and this is, by the way, this is a cat with many names, but this is Milkshake. <laughs> milkshake, all righty, Milkshake. Yeah. <laughs> Carla, you're from the Pacific Northwest. Carla, you're on mute. Carla? Muted. Oh, I, oh, I said hello. Hello, Carla in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Portland. All right. Hello. Yeah. So in the middle of the country. Deb, Illinois. Yes. Oklahoma, Karen and Rich. Hey. I saw an amazing news report about Oklahoma and its earthquakes. Oh my God. <laughs> what earthquakes? Come on. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. I'll have to send you a link if you haven't seen that. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Yeah. MSNBC. What's okay. her name? Rachel something. Maddox? Maddow. Rachel Maddow. Maddow. Yeah. Yeah. The other night. Yeah. Amazing. And then... Uh, We've got our southern ladies here. Would you like to say hello, southern ladies? <laughs> I was waiting and waiting. I was being southernly polite. Uh, this is Sheila from Louisiana. Hi, guys. Hello. And I guess me, Sean, from South Florida. Yeah. Hey, Sean. And then the northeast. Well, there's, there's Lawrence from Boston. That would be you. <laughs> Yay. All right. So let's pray. <clears throat> so grateful and so thankful to joyfully come together. So grateful and so thankful to leave the past behind. And presence. We're setting ourselves free of all limiting thoughts, beliefs, ideas, all concepts that are false. We're just letting them all dissolve. We're standing in the true reality of our perfection, our eternal oneness. We are grateful and thankful to celebrate the unity of all life together. We are grateful and thankful to come together for this healing, transformative conversation. We are consciously allowing ourselves to liberate from all ways that we've been playing small, all limited beliefs of the past falling away dissolving back to the root cause, healing back to the root cause, releasing back to the root cause, right here, right now. We're grateful that we don't have to labor under false perceptions anymore. We're setting ourselves free and we're sharing the benefits with all beings because we're one with them. In deep, deep gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen, 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 amen. Ah, so uh, we are traveling forth on this trajectory of uh, expansion and clarity. And so um, 
as I was sharing in uh, year one this week, uh, I, I think it's so important, and we were talking about this in year two this week. We're going to talk about it today in this class. I think it's extremely useful. So I had this realization um, just about a week ago that uh, it was Friday morning, really, that I had this real clarity that we're not just um, laying the foundation for this year. We're actually laying the foundation for this entire nine-year cycle that we're starting right now. And so um, what we were talking about in year two, and I'd like for us to be able to talk about it because I think it's really valuable for each person to be able to contemplate and contribute. We can learn and share from each other. Uh, it's, I had this realization that uh, we go in these nine-year cycles, and uh, you've heard me talk about, I know some of you listen to year one, year two, um, but some of you may not have yet. Uh, so... Uh, wisdom that... Uh, each year has a numerological value based on the um, adding up of those four numbers that are the year. So 2016 uh, adds up to a nine and 2017 adds up to an 11, uh, rather a 10, which the one uh, is the only value there. The zero is uh, nothing. And then uh, 2018 is an 11, which adds up to a two. So we're in a one year, nine years, the completion of the nine year cycle, one year is the beginning of this new cycle. And so what I was sharing is that in 2007, which was the end of the previous, this, so uh, 2016 is the ninth year, the completion year, of this pre last cycle, the cycle before that ended in 2007. 2007 was an extremely transformational year for me. Um, and uh, at the end of 2007 was when my mom went into hospice care. And uh, that year I was so, 2006, but particularly 2007, I was so, dedicated, more dedicated than I'd ever been in my whole life to choosing love. And I was so committed to it. It was deeply transformational. And I can see now that it was a nine year. I was completing that. And I was also completing with my mother. And so, um, cause she, she passed in March of 2008. So 2008 was the beginning of the last year, nine year cycle. So I started thinking about, okay, we're in the first quarter of this new nine year cycle. What was I doing in the first quarter of the last nine year cycle? And how did that create a foundation for all nine years? And I, I, in that first quarter of 2008, it was so perfect in a sense that that was when my mom was in her last few months because between my mother and myself, it was just 
so much love, never had so much love with my mother and um, total uh, unconditional acceptance and love. And that's when I really understood unconditional joy that I could be in these um, really challenging circumstances with my mom's um, uh, body uh, failing on her and just really uh, in many ways becoming horrific what was happening to her body and yet we could be at peace and we could be in harmony and we could be in the flow of love and joy it just it completely defied the logic of the circumstances, what we were experiencing and feeling. And so it was very transcendent and transformative. And I was so immersed in the love and committed to love and to, and, and certainly in 2007, to just ending all negative patterns, that it really got me to that 51%. And so that laid the foundation for the, last nine years which um, were really when my the ministry blossomed and, and came to what it is right now so if we take a look back to the last nine year cycle I'm just going to invite you to consider at the beginning of 2008 that first quarter what was going on in your life and what was going on the year before, particularly the end of 2007. So think about that one second. I'm just going to shut this door over here. So can you see in any way, and people had some fantastic shares in the year two class, uh, can you see in any way how uh, the choices that you were making at the, in the first quarter of 2008 were laying the foundation for those whole nine years? Can you see that? Sean's nodding her head. What, what, could, what, have you, what are you observing there, Sean? Well, it's kind of funny. Um, that was the year that I found out that I was gay and I met my wife um, August of 2007. So that was a total change in my life. And, <laughs> and, um, and how did you start 2008 then? Oh, totally in love. We went to Europe. Um, I started a new job in 2008, moved to Miami from West Palm Beach. Everything changed. Um, my son went to a new school from elementary school to middle school. It was everything changed that year. And it was kind of interesting because before I got married to my husband, we were together 11 years. And then... I met my current wife and we were only together 11 months before we decided to move in together. So it was a total change in my life. I was more conservative, I guess, at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so isn't it interesting too, how did you culminate those nine years? What can you see about the quarter, last quarter of last year? And it, 
I, I think the, the beginning of those nine years were terrific, and then the end of the nine years were terrific. It was everything that kind of happened in between. Um, a lot of good times. I mean, my mom passed away during those nine years, and I moved and changed jobs after four. I was at my other job for 14 years, and um, everything changed. But actually, it, it's even better now in my life more relaxed I think it was much more chaotic back then mm -hmm. a lot of drama a lot of family issues ex-husband issues parenting issues and now everything's you know not perfect for sure but just calm on most days yeah it's beautiful yeah thank you thank you Great observation. Who else can see Rich? Well, I mean, uh, it's interesting that you said that because I was aware and I tracked back that was an enormous shift for me because in the um, in the in February of 2008 I retired, so it was like a huge shift. And, wow. at, the same, and at the same time, our first, our daughter, our oldest daughter, was pregnant, so it was our uh, and that you know, had something to do with my timing and my retirement, but it was a shift in this whole becoming grandparents and that and and that role. Um, so I retired and, and moved into a different phase of my life in the beginning of 2008, and uh, and then Karen and I <clears throat> took on being grandparents. I spent a lot of time out on the East Coast, uh, and then my other daughter had a, had a baby shortly after, so we had two. And uh, and we were out there being grandparents a lot, so that was a big shift. Yes. And do you see uh, anything that was really completing at the end of 2007? Well, you said you retired in 2008, yeah. so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was really interesting because I had, you know, I worked there at that facility for 37 years and was the service chief and, you know, had some position of responsibility in the hospital. and. I had worked with the same director for many, many years, and he retired ahead of me. He was younger, and I said, often said to him, "Steve, you, you were supposed to wait till I retire." And then an, another guy came in to be the director, would be my new boss, and he was very difficult. Uh, I, I, I guess I was very difficult. <laughs> it was a difficult situation. And in June of that year, I was like, "I'm just going to leave. You know, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to retire now because I could." And then I thought, "No, I don't want to go out that way. That's not the way I want to go out." So you know, I, I stayed with it, and uh, and that relationship improved. But I decided to retire because my daughter, who was pregnant, said, "Daddy, when are you going to retire?" And I said, I, "I don't know, honey. Sometime soon." And she said to me, um, "Well, you know, the baby's due in March, and if you retire before that, you can come and help us take care of the baby." You know, and uh, so I thought I was, that was a sign that 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 was the time to really do it. So I retired in February, and uh, and she had the baby in March, and. And uh, we have, you know, more more than that now. So it's it's all history. But it was a it was a huge transition time. And we started to travel. We we hadn't traveled all that much before, and then we started all our journeys that we've taken since. So that was also a big transition and feeling the freedom to be able to do that and and to take on some adventures that were really exciting for us and so forth. Mm. Beautiful. 
All right. Uh, let's see here. Who else? Um, I've got some. I, I just didn't think about it until I started writing the dates down and reflecting back. And um, 2006 and 2007, um, I, during those years, I had some big endings. My dad passed and my ex-husband passed both within about a nine-month period. So um, my mom was grieving and my two children were grieving, and I was as well, but I was kind of uh, supporting them through, through their grief. And then um, shortly after that, I changed my job. I left a teaching position and um, went back into clinical nursing. So yeah, I hadn't realized all those three things happen so close together, but by 2008, I was starting a new job and uh, I would say, you know, my kids and my mom were probably getting over their grieving period Yeah. Yeah, isn't it interesting, Diane? Um, when uh, so, your ex-husband and your father both passed in two thousand seven. Uh, uh, my ex-husband passed first in the summer of twenty two thousand and six, and then my dad passed in the spring of two thousand and seven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm both unexpected mm. yeah both unplanned mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's an interesting that both you and sean started a new job rich uh retired so interesting how we move in these cycles thanks diane mm -hmm. Anybody else like to share? Anybody else have any ahas or insights about this cycle, Deb? Uh, 2007 is when I final, finalized my divorce, <clears throat> excuse me, in November. So 2008 was the beginning of whatever was next, to it, which was, I didn't know at that time. It was just a big transition into a new phase of figuring out now what so yes mm-hmm mm -hmm. 2007 was huge yeah yeah it was such a transformative year for me mm -hmm. yeah people are nodding their heads yep Thank you, Deb. Sheila? So I didn't even think about this until nine, but 2006, 2007, my first child graduated from high school in 2006, and I was um, a senior um, leadership position in a large hospital system, making lots of money, you know, living the good life, and just was so stressed, 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 and I quit that job. Um, <laughs> I, uh, 
I didn't think about it until then. And then my baby graduated in, from high school in 2008. So those three years were big years for me. And that 2008 was actually when I started formulating around the plan to start my business, which I incorporated and began in nine, nine of nine. Mm. So I didn't even realize until we were having the class that those years were going on. Those were pivotal moments for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. So you, you, you didn't start your business till 999, but the formulating of it began at the beginning of 2008. The beginning of the in 2008, I kind of didn't, it all started falling together for me in 2008 about what I actually was going to do. And um, it was logistics and I strategically chose the dates that I did for our um, incorporation date. Good luck years, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. We know how 2016 closed out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Close. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is at the end of the cycle, that's, that's what I realized is because I, I don't know, maybe other people are talking about this. I, I, I don't really listen to other people. So if anybody hears anybody else talking about this, let me know. But I just feel like that's a large part of why last year was so gnarly for so many people, particularly here in the United States with our, our presidential hoo-ha. And um, that it just seemed like every pattern was just coming up for healing so that we wouldn't take it into 2017. And um, for many people, it was brutal. As an aside, I just want to ask, does anybody know people around them who are feeling depressed? Anybody know people around them who have, have, have like lapsed into depression in the last couple months? Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm seeing, I'm seeing quite a bit of that. And I, I really think it is the... Uh, for for not for everyone, of course, but for the people I'm noticing and talking with, it directly correlates to their feelings about our new president. That they're in so much judgment that uh, it's really um, it's really weighing them down. Just just you know, it's like a very dark energy, and. Um, and you know what it is, you know what the, what judgments do to our energy. So, um, just seeing that. All right. Anybody else want to share on this topic? Jerry, you, you certainly had some major letting goes. Yeah, I have. In fact, I look back on 2008 and I kind of shudder because that's when um, the country entered the big recession I was one of thousands of jobs. I lost my, my very lucrative corporate job that I was there for 17 years. And um, along with the lifestyle and the company car and the big bonuses and the money, all gone overnight, just like that. And um, so that was the end of 2007. No, no, that was, it was 2008. The end of 2007 was... Um, it was, it was just kind of funny. I, um, a lot of my identity came from, um, you know, my success with my corporate job that I did. 
And I just remember making sales calls and just having all the business wrapped up in this one town. I was coming home from work. This is 2007. I'm thinking, gosh, is this it? Here I thought, I remember saying that. And then I always regretted saying that because everything flipped right after that. Everything flipped. In 2008, lost the job, um, was laid off along with thousands of others. Then my, um, it started the period with my um, tumultuous relationship with my daughters. And then my marriage was imploded. But dang, did I come through it all. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm such in a good place. And, mm. and I made the choice, I think, to, to get on a spiritual path. That, and I found you somehow. I still can't remember. I think it was through Gary Grenard when he was on Sounds True. And uh, then the Course in Miracles, and somehow I found you. And, um, and the journey of healing has begun, had, had begun back then. I just didn't know it. And uh, wow, it's just amazing. I never thought I could survive this. I had some really dark days, dark years. And... Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit never gives up as long as the willingness is there, the desire. Um, and then my father passed away in December, and that was like the culmination of closure um, for all the siblings in my family. And it was really a beautiful thing. And uh, I'm just looking forward to, you know, if what 2017 can bring. This is, I just feel I've been within a whirlwind and the Holy Spirit there every single, every single day, every pointing out the way. So. Yes. Yep. Well, you, you have cultivated, cultivated a tremendous willingness, Jerry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's tremendous. Yeah. I have, and um, once you know, once it, you have a taste of it, it just kind of takes fire, takes yeah. over. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's just a better way to live. That's the choice right there. What's what's a better way of just being? What's there's got to be a better way. Yeah. Because I I was really <clears throat> stuck up, you know, unto the form of my identity with my job and the lifestyle. Living the really living the American dream, having having it, it all, but but it was really something uh, um, missing. There was a, a void, something very empty, unsatisfying. So I, now I'm in a job that I love. My um, I'm living in a wonderful place. Never thought this would happen. I'm, I am divorced, um, and uh, and it's it's best for everybody there's no no regret there's no grievance it's we're all it's the most loving thing to have done for everybody and um and my relationships with my daughters are coming around it's so surreal anyway but yeah, wow. yeah. how is your mother jerry mom is doing great she um she did you know she did everything she could for my, you know, my dad was 88 and very much had health issues. She was pretty much homebound for the last six years, but I'm picking her up at, from Vegas tonight. 
and she's going to Ireland with my, um, her sister. Wow. Next month. Yeah. And she's joined the church and she doesn't have to rush home from water aerobics to make sure dad's okay. You know, she, we could, she could watch the, go out and watch her grandchildren's basketball games without, and staying for the whole, you know, staying for the fourth quarter. So she's really, um, we all had closure, but she's really excited for her chapter, her next chapter. Because uh, dad kept her pretty much homebound for the last six years. Well, and, you're both uh, having new chapters together. Yeah, we have. <laughs> yeah, and we, we feed off that. And um, she's, she's an incredible, wonderful human being. Incredible. She's, um, her faith has never wavered, ever. Ever. So, and I get, uh, I get to live with that. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And so how did the, your father's passing affect your daughters and your son, your hu former husband? Well, um, the funeral was really, really, really beautiful. A lot of, um, you know, there, there's eight of us and, and, uh, um, you know, my dad was an immigrant. He was from Belfast, Ireland, and a lot of people didn't know that. And he was very, very, um, it wasn't, you know, I don't know if you guys seen Angela's Ashes, but uh, it wasn't as desperate as that, you know, the main character in the book. But, you know, <laughs> pretty close. But at any rate, um, so he, you know, we shared that at the, you know, my oldest brother gave the eulogy on that. And my oldest brother had a lot of, cause my, my dad was a drinker and a smoker. He was an alcoholic and we had everything that comes with that. The drinking and the verbal abuse and the hitting, we had, had all of that. And my oldest brother thought he got the brunt of it. So it was good, really good closure for him because he did the eulogy focusing that if my dad would have known better, he would have done better you know, but he lived a full life. He, the best mistake he ever had was, was, um, you know, um, accept the invitation to come to the United States, mm. you know, at 17 years of age. That's mm. the best decision he ever made. And of course, the second best was when he married my mom. Yeah. But, um, so we all got up there and I saw, um, my ex was there and it was really, I gave him a hug. I was glad that he came and my daughter was there and there was still kind of distance, but they just saw how beautiful family was, you know, they just, uh, they were, I think they were glad to be a part of that. Um, I'm sorry, I, I lost your question, but was that your yeah, question? Yeah, well, I was asking you how the, your father's passing affected your former husband and your daughters and your sons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, you know, my, my son who's 24, you know, he was an altar server there. He felt really proud to do that. Mm. Um, one of the daughters couldn't make it because she was sick, but I think he had to have, um, you know, my, I think my ex, like a friend of mine said, he, she felt that he had a sense of loss, um, not being part of the family anymore. Oops, I better mute. Um, sorry about that, my dog. That's okay. Yeah, it's good to get the update from you, Jerry. Hmm. 
anybody else like to share on this topic of realizations around the last nine-year cycle and the one before? Karen? Sure, this is fun. I enjoy this. <laughs> uh, nine years ago, I'm sorry, uh, we're sitting at the dining room table. Nine years ago, I turned 60, and uh, when Rich retired, while that was a huge shift for him, it was a huge shift for me, too, that uh, he was home. Uh, and uh, uh, I remember very well when my, pit, my kitchen, my pantry became his kitchen and his pantry, and he started telling me how to organize things. And I felt the, the shift there. Um, it's also when we be, I became a grandmother. And uh, really, there's when I think about the last nine years, um, Wow, uh, a lot of lot of stuff has come up for healing, and you know we've been listening to you for the last five years, uh, and um, the transformation has been phenomenal. And um, uh, I am living a life that I didn't imagine that I would live. What I didn't ever really imagine what kind of life I was going to live at this age, anyway. So. Um, I'm really grateful for it. I'm really grateful for this time to reflect. I'm grateful for understanding healing uh, as an opportunity to undo in the present things that have happened in the past and to really recognize that when the healing occurs, it really becomes almost impossible to resurrect whatever it was that you were healing about. And so I'm aware that I've done a lot of healing, but and there were times when I remember it was really, really tough and painful. And, uh, but the now is very, very, very good. And I feel like if I were going to think about these nine years, it would be nothing but wrapped in gratitude for, for the journey that uh, we, Rich and I have been on, that I've been on growing into being a grandmother, growing into being a woman in a, in a different way than I was <laughs> when I was defined as just as a wife or as a mother but really growing into womanhood in a different way than I ever imagined. Mm. And a pilgrim. Yeah, of course, because, you know, it's really fun to think about our life differently. <clears throat> as, uh, I just am so grateful to wake up each day and to recognize that it's my to-do list is not what defines me. What defines me is my willingness to stay in the flow of love, to practice forgiveness, to be the love that I want to be in the world, and to uh, strengthen these spiritual muscles of knowing the oneness that we are. And I mean, that's just huge. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I think that this, this is one of the most extraordinary realizations that we have in doing this work together is um and this is what i've seen year after year is that people that really come along the path as you all are and you don't give up and you keep going and you you realize that this meticulous personal work that you do with the holy spirit with your higher self um that it brings such tremendous benefit that we do make quantum leaps all the time. We forget that we do, but then we, we remember, oh yeah, I do, I do, I do. And um, the, the realization that I see everyone who does this work get to is that they realize that 
they basically have the capacity now to be loving all the time. That even when they feel like they're grumbling a little bit, they're not exactly happy with the way things are, you know, maybe there's a little bit of sarcasm, irritation, frustration, snarkiness, whatever. It, it doesn't last very long. And the capacity to um, be not just on a superficial level, but on a very deep, like, gut, deep well level to be truly loving and patient with others. Um, it's such a healing because most of the people starting this work, as you know, <coughs> have this sense of uh, believing that there's something fundamentally bad about them. You know, uh, for, for many, as it was for me, this, this sense of this fundamental uh, evil, fundamental, just really not right um, uh, sense that I used to have. And now it's so clear that I have this fundamental goodness. And so knowing that now, uh, when things do seem like, oh, this, this relationship is in a challenge right now, I have this deep sense of peace that this is just a, a storm that's passing through and it's not related to my identity. You see, this is the great benefit of doing this work and not giving up on it is we really get to that point where our identity doesn't become threatened anymore. We, we know that we are fundamentally good, fundamentally loving, and that this is just something that's moving through. It's coming up for healing. And this too shall pass no matter how intense it might feel in the moment. And that, that security uh, is, is so tremendous. It's, it's so life-changing. But I don't know anyone that doesn't go through, I don't personally know anyone that doesn't go through some hair-raising stuff to get there. You know, it's like we have to go through the fire to burn off that dross, you know? And there's, you could say there's levels of the fire. And um, to the uninitiated, it appears as though these things are just happening to us and we're trying to manage and cope with it. But as we become more spiritually aware, we realize, no, this is my refinement. You know, like you were talking about, Jerry, that, you know, you thought, oh, I wish I had never wondered, is this all there is? But that wondering, you could say, well, did that wondering, is this all there is? Did that precipitate what happened, uh, you losing your job and all that transformation? Or was it just um, the, what's the, let's see here. Give me a moment. Well, the word that's coming to me is bookmark. Was it just that thought was the, the not the thought that caused the transformation, but it was just, this is the, the turning point here. And that, that question comes into your mind because now you're ready for the, you had the strength to go into the next level of, we can call it initiation.
Yeah, it's hard to say. I, um, I just knew I didn't like what I was doing. I didn't like what I was doing anymore. I just didn't think, um, any rate, I just didn't like the whole atmosphere of, of what I was doing or how the um, industry uh, did things the way they did. Right. And, um, but I don't know, gosh, if you would have asked me, I could, you know, maybe it was definitely unconscious if I thought I had the strength because I sure didn't think I did. Right. But obviously I did. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, it's that saying that God never gives you more than you can handle. Um, you know, and then we all have had that thing like, uh, okay, God, um, I don't know how much you think I can handle, but I feel like I'm at my limit. So uh, enough already, right? <laughs> yeah. We all have that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Karen, what you shared is, is really beautiful, really beautiful. And I, I've seen you go through these initiations, these fires on so many levels uh, I felt you go through them and, uh, and bringing your whole family along with you. It's been extraordinary. Yeah. Sheila, speaking of going through the fire. Okay, so I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. You went through the fire of flood. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. So, so I'm just kind of thinking out loud, Jennifer. Okay, so I realize that for most of us, you're right. It's the fire that cranks to give us the pivotal moments. But I realize also that it doesn't have to be that way. So in order to go through the transition to where maybe it's not quite so intense, or drastic, I realize that we can be willing for that and choose to be the joyful learner. Is it just that most of us don't choose that and that's why it gets to be so intense sometimes is that we chose yeah. it that way? Yeah. Mm. Yep. And it's just what it says in <coughs> the, um, the manual for teachers in that development of trust section. Mm -hmm. You know, that we can't, we can just go into surrender and haven't many of us experienced that where we go into uh, that true surrender and uh, uh, we're just like, okay, okay, God, do, do what you need to do. I'm just going to go with the flow here and keep choosing love and willingness. <clears throat> and then we've also had the experience of clinging and trying to, to work our will and think we know what's best for us and we're just trying desperately to make it happen. I mean, I can remember the energy of really feeling like I've got to make this work. I've got to make this happen. And um, gosh, that is so painful. But when you have trust, then you know that you're going to be led and guided when you have trust or I should say, when you have trust, it's not necessarily that when you have faith, you know you'll be led and guided. When you have trust, you're willing to have faith. You're willing to discover true faith. You're willing to surrender and to align your will with uh, a higher will. Mm -hmm. 
that made perfect sense and of course that yeah it feels true (laughs) we choose to make that clinginess to make it painful you're right you're right yeah yep surrender that's right it's the attachment whether it's a craving needing wanting or whether it's an aversion it's the attachment the mental attachment the emotional attachment that causes the deep deep suffering yeah because you know and this is going to sound crazy you can laugh at me what i realized this week was not wanting something is just as much of as an attachment as it is to wanting something hello yeah (laughs) Can you, not wanting, can you give an example Give of what you, how you learned that? Yeah, because all this time I am really not wanting to reopen my daycare business and of course looking and waiting for guidance to do other things because I truly just don't want to and realize that is the attachment that you've been hanging on to is that you don't want it. Right. <laughs> so hello sometimes things just come to you and you're like oh well yeah i've been working on that one for a hundred years and duh (laughs) but that is an attachment not wanting it yeah 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 you know i've learned that i have to be extremely careful about energizing what i like and what i don't like or uh because if i honestly if i start thinking oh yeah, I don't feel like going to that thing, then uh, something will happen a lot of times that will be like, oh, the event's canceled. Then I look and I think, hmm, did I really not want to go to that thing? You know? Um, So just being very mindful about what you're saying, what we're really thinking and energizing we like or not like. And, And this, of course, is one of the the most major spiritual realizations that people have. This is what a lot of what year one is all about is just recognizing how focused most, most people in year one start to really realize how intensely focused they are, they are on what they don't want. That's a big turn to just say, okay, I'm going to start to focus on what I'd like now uh, rather than what I don't like. That is such a big change. Yeah, ego can be sneaky sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Because my goal for this year is to have zero attachments to anything. None, not one. So they start coming up into my awareness that there is an attachment that I wasn't realizing <laughs> was an attachment. <laughs> I think, Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Jennifer, I think the issue of attachment has become really big for me. And we try to start our, mor- our morning in bed off with, I give my life to God, the guide today, because an attachment says, I'm not listening to God. You know, I'm not listening to guidance. I've just made it up for myself, you know. And I find myself, when I get into difficulty, it's because I have an attachment. And then something comes up and it, it doesn't work or somebody doesn't go along with it. And then I'm, I'm upset about that as opposed to saying, which I try to say is, oh, that's, I guess what my wanted, my, my preference or even my attachment was not the direction God wanted me to go. So, oh, isn't that interesting? Now let's be open to where I'm supposed to go. So it is that, that sense of accepting, yes, I get into attachments, and that, that blocks me from listening to guidance from, from Holy Spirit. So I want to give my life to God to guide today and let go of attachments. So. Beautifully said. 
Yes. Yeah. Thank you. So can I ask? Deb. What I hear you saying is that we can go through initiations without going through the fire? Yes, absolutely. And, that, and that's really how we're designed, which is why whenever it's painful, then we can know that there's some resistance. It, it seems in opposite of everybody must go through the fire to burn off the dross. So how do you, I don't know how to resolve that. Or what am I missing? Well, it's, we have to give up our attachments, but it, it doesn't have to be a painful fire. It just doesn't. Oh, but, you can so, walk on hot coals and not feel it. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful analogy. Beautiful. Okay. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. You can rise above it, so to speak. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Oh, this conversation is so helpful. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if I talked about it in, in uh, year two last year, but um, some years ago I had um, difficulties in the ministry and it was all administrative. And um, it looked like, I don't know if this can actually get figured out and resolved. I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know who's going to do it. It was just uh, like a... Um, just an administrative just implosion and um and it had to do with all the complex technology that we use and uh had all become unhooked and unwired and who was going to put it all back together and um i i i just said okay god this is your ministry it's not mine, it's yours. And if, if the, the best thing is for it to just go whoosh like that and I go do whatever you guide me to do, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do that. I don't need to, to do this the way it is. I just, I, I, I have to be of service. I know that about myself. I have to live a life of service. Mm -hmm. However you guide me to serve, I'll serve. Um, build the ministry up. I'm with you. Tear it down. I'm with you. Send me to, at that time I said, send me to Chicago to work in a diner or to, you know, some other place to live in a cave, what, whatever. I, I don't mind as long as I can just be of service by however I'm living. And um, I just let go. And within 24 hours, I knew what the next steps were. And we, we figured it out. We got out of there. But there was a moment when I just thought, I, I have no idea how to fix this. Honestly, I have no idea. And, um, and, I, and I just did wonder, oh, is this the end of the ministry? How does this work? I don't know. And um, I, I did feel some stress at that time but it wasn't really it wasn't related to the ministry it was related to other things that were going on at the same time in my relationships so they they coincided 
but uh, it was amazing and remarkable how peaceful all of that really was, you know. Mm-hmm. It could have been nightmarish, you know. But I had faith that no matter how it turned out, it would be for the good. So it didn't feel like a fire in in a painful way. But it did clearly feel like things were being burned away. They were being dropped away. (coughs) I'd like to comment uh, because Deb brings up the issue of walking on coals, walking on fire. I've done that a number of times. (laughs) And the way that one does that is to let go of everything except the moment. Um, and there is a ritual, at least with the, the places I've done it, where you have drums and you're going around a circle around the, the firewalk area. And the only way that you can go through that peaceably and safely is to release your mind from any of your worries and fears and anything like that and just move through it in mm-hmm. peace. And uh, so it's, it's a wonderful metaphor for what you have to do. So let go of any attachment of fear, worry, that I can be hurt, you know, that I'm a body, that I look bad, that, you know, I'm scared or whatever. And fortunately, you know, we had facilitators that would calibrate on people and would not let them go until they, they could see in their body that they were in that place. And when you were in that place, then the facilitator would wave you on. Other than that, you, you couldn't go. And no one ever got burned. Nobody. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you. So what I'm hearing is the quicker you can come back to peace with the what is happening at the moment, then, of course, the easier it is to transition through that into the next thing. Yeah. Because then you're, you're in that place of trust and faith. Can I see something? Yeah. So I, it actually, it's really interesting. I, I, I can't, you can't make yourself do it. I, I, but I've noticed multiple times that I, I like want something, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I let it go and I let it go and I let it go. And I don't even realize when it's fully let go, but I realize it after something shifted, something shifts. I let it go, and the attachment to wanting it, to wanting it to appear like I want it, and then it, I I get it. <laughs> I don't. It's not maybe not exactly how I envisioned it, but I feel so much more fulfilled. It's not even happy. It's fulfilled by what happens. Yes. Yeah, well said, Carla. And I actually, I'm kind of hesitated to even share because I already shared a little bit in MLC2 about what my 2007, 2008, I shared that I, I quit this job, the security guard job, where I felt like the job was to look for problems. And I, I realized, I didn't realize at the time that I didn't want to look for problems anymore, but that's what it was. But I had another realization, I can share that, which is a little different, is in 2007, I was deployed. And um, 
I I was reading I read this book anyway about angels about stories about how spectacular things happen to people and they they someone would help them and then after the event was over and they go oh where is that person I want to thank him and they go who who are you talking about we never saw anybody or whatever and she everybody says oh it was angels angels came and helped us and they just left when they were not needed anymore and so I I once wanted I think I've shared this in a community call but it really feels like this was a really big turning point for me because I this is the first time I prayed in a long time that I say this is a really small short simple little I guess it was a I didn't realize it was a prayer it was just the thought and thoughts are prayers right that I thought, you know, I don't know if you're out there, angels, <laughs> whatever, invisible. You know, I don't know if you're out there. But if you are, I could use some help. And it was like, when I realize now, that was when my life really started shifting. Just from that little, I don't know if you are out there. I'm like a dozen or so words and um, it's about that you know I'm willing to see it differently I'm you know it's all that little willingness I'm like okay <laughs> and I'm offering it up I mean it's all those things that you teach us right we're there I didn't see it I didn't know it, it didn't happen overnight but I I keep thinking about what things I'm attached to, you know, just the things. And I realized, and I asked myself, what would I rather have? Would I rather have those things or peace and joy no matter what happens? And I realized that's what I want, but I'm still learning to let go of <laughs> my attachment to the thing. So I wasn't really planning on sharing, but that's what came up. Thank you, Carla. Thank you. Yeah. Constantly learning realizations. Deb, did you want to share something? Well, I wanted to thank Carla for sharing because when you said you were tired of looking for problems, I really resonated with that for the end of my job last year. I mean, it's not ending until February 1st. I resigned January 2nd because in October, I just had an ego moment and said, I am done fixing everybody's problems. <laughs> now it feels like an ego temper tantrum, but there was also some truth in that. I'm done looking at the problems. I want to look at what I want, not at what I don't want. You know, it's so important to realize, Deb, I, I'm glad you're saying that, you too, Carla, because the fire of anger can be very helpful, right? All things work together for good. There are no exceptions. And um, as you know, what I share about uh, anger is that anger 
is up here. It's a symptom like a cough and that it's a symptom that we have fear. The fear is also a symptom, right? Fear is not causation. It's not. It's, it's a, a, an expression. Uh, the feelings of fear are related to our thoughts of separation, right? And choosing to energize thoughts of separation will make us feel worried, afraid, guilty, angry, hurt, whatever it is. So the root cause underneath the anger and the fear is the thought of separation. And usually anger is tied to hurt, right? And the fear is that we're going to get hurt again in a way that's similar to or resonates with a way that we've been hurt in the past. And basically the anger is some expression of, oh, hell no, hell no, that is not happening again. You know, or just like, I can't take anymore because we haven't resolved the old hurt. So anytime anyone is angry, it's an expression of hurt, right? And so you can look at, um, like I think in a lot of ways, Donald Trump, you know, personifies this. I always have this sense of he feels deeply hurt in some way. And so this is a lot of where his anger comes from is he doesn't really feel loved. And so he gets really angry when people don't like him because it frightens him. It, it triggers that deep hurt is feeling that uh, something that happened to him somewhere in some lifetime or whatever that he made the meaning of it, that he's not lovable. So he gets really triggered when anybody doesn't like him or is critical of him in any way, shape or form. And, um, and that's pure ego. You know, it's just pure ego. So he, he, he really, in so many ways, personifies the ego. And that's helpful to us. It can be very helpful to us in our um, learning, you know, as long as we don't make it all real, you know. And, um, and we also call our senators and representatives and say, hey, I don't know if that's a good idea. Um, <coughs> The wall? Hmm. Not sure about that. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe he could get his billionaire friends to pay for that wall. Wouldn't that be nice? They can donate the money and then they can have a tax write-off. Uh, but they don't pay taxes, so they don't need a write-off. Anyway. Um, <coughs> anyway. Um, so the, the anger, right, that you felt, Deb, you know, I, I, when you talk about it, I have this sense that you're still feeling a bit guilty about that. I've been working on that today and the past week with angel cards and transmutation. Because I finish next Wednesday. And when I finish, I want to be done. Yeah. I want to be resolved. Yeah. And so I, I am much more peaceful. I would prefer that there be some healing between Dr. Berger and I's relationship. And I, I have not been willing to be the first one and she's not been willing. And so it's not happening. Well, and, uh, yeah. So that's, you're not willing. It's that's, that's ego, of course. 
and um, for, forgive yourself first, because I, I do have the sense that you feel guilty. Mm. So forgive yourself first, Deb, and then you'll realize that it's really, what, what's the crux of forgiveness? It's really that, let's just remember that nothing really happened. You know, on, on the Course in Miracles level, we can say, oh, it seems like something happened, but this, this is an illusion. So what really happened if this is an illusion? Yeah, I, I'm not there yet. I, I'm at the place of forgiveness because I asked, how can I bring this to resolution earlier in the week and drew an angel card? And it was forgiveness. Yeah. But then when I looked at the book, what it talked about was forgiveness is not saying what you did was right are okay, not even right, but okay, but I'm not any longer willing to carry the pain of it. It's really the release of the judgment. So the thing is, is I sense you're judging yourself about it, you know, that you shouldn't have gotten angry. You shouldn't have expressed your anger. I do wish I wouldn't have, yes. Yeah, I think it's okay that I did because it was my only way to set a boundary. I, for me, anger says I need to set boundary. Something is not, something is out of balance. That's right. And uh, so I don't, I wish I could have done it. I wish I could have said it in a way that she heard me for the three months prior to that. That's what I realize now is... I had been, you know, asking for different things to change or to even just have a meeting with her to begin to explore how things could be shifted so we wouldn't have so many problems, you know. And I couldn't seem to say it. It didn't happen. I could. So now I'm blaming myself that it was something the way I said it. That might be what I need to let go of. It did the best it could. Yeah, and it served a purpose. It, you know, sometimes, you know, it's like um, when uh, you've eaten something that doesn't agree with you, uh, nobody wants to vomit, but sometimes the best thing is just to vomit, you know? Yeah, get it out. And sometimes people are there and accidentally you vomit on them. Right. (laughs) <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Yeah. So but she's helping me, not intentionally, but she's. I'm grateful that it happened in the sense of I'm moving into my next step. Exactly. And you're mirroring each other. Right. And I can see the changes that she's made at the office because of the result of our upset. Yeah. And I'm willing now to let go of the shore and get in the flow without knowing where the next island is or anything of what's happening. Yes, and you also can decide what you would like. Well, and that I've begun, I mean, I'm looking at my intentions and what I want that to be for this yeah. But I guess the question that I have is, how do you put this 
sort of, I'm going to say, experience of initiation without painful fire, without suffering, how do you put that into words as a deep desire of your heart? Because that's what I want. Because that's what I see my October experience with her is it came to the suffering in order to get me to the next place. And it worked. But if I can do it a different way, that's what I want to do. So who's got some ideas for Deb? The deep desire of my heart is to let the past go. The deep desire of my heart is to live in abundance and prosperity. The deep desire of my heart is to transform everything that's not working into love and light with ease and grace, laughing all the way. I have something. My deep, the deep desire of my heart is to find joy in what is. I know that's what my deep desire is. Yeah, and to experience the joy in what is. To mm -hmm. be the joyful learner in every moment. Mm -hmm. See the joy, be the joy. Yeah. Yeah, feel the joy. Yeah. Dance I the joy. Um, Holy joy. Diane? The deep desire is to be grateful in all things, to see some gratitude in the situation. Yes. Yeah, the deep desire of my heart is to live my, my purpose joyfully, blessing everyone I meet and receiving all the blessings that are mine to receive. Oh, I'm stealing that one. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me receive my blessings today. Let me receive them joyfully, gracefully, abundantly. All right, anybody who hasn't shared like to share? All right, so my, my um, look, this is Massive Living Year 3, so we're not playing small anymore. So really doing the New Year's reboot and the New Year's attention work, laying that groundwork. It's going to take you, it's a real investment of time and energy and attention to write all those things out and get that real clarity and refine your contract. We're going to talk about contracts in year one next week. <clears throat> so really having this clarity, it's, it's going to make all the difference for the next nine years. It's worth every moment that you put into it. So please uh, really go for it. And, uh, and I encourage you to... Um, Certainly be talking about it with your prayer partners. Everybody has their new prayer partners. Right? And if for any reason you can't reach your prayer partner, let Angela know right away. We'll figure that out. Because um, we're not going to let any grass grow under our feet, as they say here. We're, we're, we're moving. 
We're moving and grooving this year. And we're really going to focus on getting this New Year's intentions work done. So in our next class, uh, which will be next Wednesday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, uh, 11 a.m. Central. That was our decision last week. So Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. And um, so we're going to be talking about contracts next week. So that's my invitation to you to really be uh, have a draft of your contract. Keep it simple so that you can know it. You don't have when you're uh, working with it on a daily basis that you don't have to have it written down anymore. You know it. You don't have to know it for next week, but keep it so simple and sweet and so completely from your heart that if I came to your house and woke you up in the middle of the night and said, you know, what's your contract? And you just go, I am the love of God, you know, or, and you just know whatever it is, right? You know it. <laughs> You're the one that's been waking us up at night. Huh? <laughs> <The> violent flame. <laughs> that's like the AIGs, right? The year AIGs contract? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And Jennifer, I've never had my contract before in the previous years. I've always done the prayer for my awakening out of the journal. But this year I said, nope, we're not shortcutting. I want a contract this year, and I do have an attachment to that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so please hold the space. I, I am having some challenges with the wording. Um, so... I'm coming keep, keep with my drafts. Out, keep writing it out like this and with the intention that spirit will lead you and guide you and it will get refined that way. It will be done. Yes. And um, yeah, so uh, your AIGs, uh, who, who hasn't done the AIGs in the past? Who was not doing that on a daily basis with your prayer partner? No. Okay, and who was? No, who was? Show of hands, who was? Okay. Not oh, by prayer partner for other people. Yeah. So uh, just real quick here, um, uh, the Carruthers, how, how did that work for you? Did that enrich your life in any way? Yeah, I thought it was terrific. Um, and um, I didn't always do it, but when I did it, it was very helpful. It brought a lot of clarity to the beginning of the day and, and guidance for the rest of the day. And uh, I felt uh, closer to the people that I was sharing it with because some of them shared it back and uh, I probably sent it out to add a little list of maybe about seven or eight people. Yeah, so. Yeah, because if you're texting, right, because right now everybody here is in the U.S. If you're texting, well, not everybody's here in the U.S. Sorry, Diane. Uh, <clears throat> if you're texting, you, um, it's easy to include your you know, multiple people. So you can have, you could just, you could also get the, the uh, you could do the whole class even because MLC3 is, is not that huge a group. So you could do the whole class. And some of you, if you wanted to add in the MLC3, I mean, you can make your, on your phone, you can add, I don't know if there's limits of how many people you can have in a text group. 
but I, I would invite someone to uh, explore that and advise everyone. I used to send mine to Lars, just email. I just cut and paste it into an email and send it on. So. Yeah, so easy. Yeah, it's not, it's not hard. And then I really encourage you at the end of the, your day, like, you know, not too late. So, for instance, you folks on the West Coast, you know, maybe it's 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, to text the same group just something you're really grateful for from that day. I mean, what a nice thing to get those at the end of the day, right? So sweet. Were you going to say something, Diane? Um, I was just going to say my one of my prayer partners was Alex, and she um, she's really good about doing the AIGs and the gratitude, and she does it. Every day, and since I've been prayer partner with her, which has been a couple of months now, um, it, it's been really good for me because she kind of got me doing it. Not she didn't get me doing it, but it, because she was sending them to me, it encouraged me to to do that, and it's been really helpful because um, uh, you know I get to hear about what she's grateful for during the day, so it, I get a sense of what goes on, and and then it helps me. Um, refocus I'm pretty good about doing it in the morning I send out my AIGs I'm not always that consistent in the evening to send out gratitudes but um, and then I added my other prayer partners on as well so uh, it it's been a really good experience and it does help me to focus in the in the morning and just it's just the way I start my day is thinking about um, what I'm aspiring to, what, when, what I'm intending to do during the day, and, and then what my goals are for the day. And, it, and I try to keep it really short. And, you know, it, it's not very wordy at all. And my gratitudes in the evening, again, I just put a few, like, you know, Alex has got lots and lots sometimes, but I usually just have a few uh, things that I focus on. And, and it's, it's helped me to be more consistent, which is one of my goals this year is to be um, more consistent with my practice. And uh, yeah, so it's been very helpful. Beautiful, yes. And uh, if you do have people in a foreign country and it becomes a cost for you to text them or call them, WhatsApp works great. Um, I was saying that my friend Gina and I, Gina is in Greece. <clears throat> we use Skype, of course. We also use WhatsApp on our cell phones. Um, we seem to get a little bit better connection a lot of time on WhatsApp on the phone. Um, and we, we talk on Skype and on WhatsApp when I'm driving in the car. And um, you can message back and forth for free. And those those apps on if you have a smartphone, I have an iPhone. Uh, they work they work pretty darn well on the phones to send messages. So just a thought for you. And they come they pop up like text messages. Mm -hmm. All right, beautiful. We're off and running. Best year ever. Mm -hmm. We're in it. Starting now. Best year so far. 
so far. All right. Yeah, so exciting. Just can't. Ah, we got we got to the best year ever, and here we are. It's beginning. Yeah. And I just say that in terms of in, in mentally, mentally, in our heart, um, not circumstantially, you know, not circumstantially, that our mind uh, is going to liberate more, our heart's going to liberate more, and we're sharing the benefits with everyone, whether they've passed on or whether they're still with us, because we're all eternal. Yes. All right, so um, I haven't forgotten what I had said last week to do a meditation on the release of uh, old vows. So I, I will, I've got that tucked away. I'm going to do that. Um, but right now we're going to pray. So grateful and so thankful to consciously attune to the infinite spirit, the perfect love that we already are. So grateful and so thankful to let go of all limiting thoughts, beliefs, and ideas. So grateful and so thankful that our life is a life of profound love and we're willing to live the love and walk the talk completely in flow with the higher Holy Spirit self. This is what we're continuing to dedicate ourselves to releasing all attachments, releasing all false perceptions. We're releasing all of the concepts and ideas that we've had, and we're just standing perfectly aligned with the truth. We share the benefits with all beings because we're one with them in deep, deep gratitude. We let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Mwah. Love you so much. God bless you.